by the time you hear this podcast, you've already missed your anniversary. Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Tony. I'm Tony. So, two Tonys here. (laughs) I'm Tony with a Y. I'm Tony with an I. Somewhere Tony with an accent over the E is... We'll find him. Yeah. We'll find him. All right. So, um, let's bring this in here. All right. So, uh, welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm actually Greg. And I'm actually Ben. I'm ben. <laughs> <laughs> and funny enough, no one in that group was named Tony. Nope. Yep. Not even <laughs> one of them. <clears throat> and so um, if you haven't guessed yet about what our um, topic would be this evening, if you don't follow us on Facebook or Instagram, um, that's a problem that you need to remedy really quickly. Mm-hmm. But... Um, if you want to tell someone and what you know, about us and, you know, what are the essentials that they need to know to find our podcast? Well, if they're on Facebook, you can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. That is also the same spelling for our website by the time you hear this dot com. If you want to get with this on the uh, Instagram, well, but like this, the Facebook URL and the website are spelled with the word you, while you, if you want to get with us on Instagram, it's at, by the time you hear this, spelled with the letter U because we're upstanding. Yes, we are indeed. And that's the same spelling for our email address. By the time you hear this at gmail.com. And if you want to listen to us on the go, as I think you would be listening to any podcast to be on the go. Mm-hmm. You're, you're doing something. You're either in the car, you're uh, at work trying to avoid your coworkers. 
Um, Guilty. <laughs> you know, if you if you take the bus or the train, you're just trying to focus on what you're listening to instead of you know um, somebody. Peeing in the corner. Somebody peeing in the corner of the subway. <laughs> Someone the train. With, what, what John Rocker? Purple hair. <laughs> uh, just try to, you know, focus on, on what you're listening to on your phone. Um, you can listen to us on a variety of apps. There is the Podomatic app. And there's also, uh, if you have an iPhone, Apple Podcast, a.k.a. iTunes. If you have an Android, the Google Music app. And you can also listen on TuneIn Radio, Auto Radio, Overcast, CastBox, Satchel Podcast Player. And um, if you're looking for certain topics, um, you can go to listennotes.com, search a certain music topic We may, if we haven't talked about it already. And um, you can find a variety of podcasts based on the notes that they have for their for each episode. So with our last episode, we talked about one hit wonders Mm -hmm. from the year of our Lord, 1998. (laughs) (laughs) So if you type in one hit wonders, you might find our most recent episode, unless there are other podcasts doing that. I don't know if any other podcasts are, or have, has the series of one hit wonder music and conversation that we have had. Are you looking it up? Yes, I am. <laughs> okay. I am. If you type in one hit wonders, what do you find? Uh, let's see. I think maybe they won't. I should put it in quotes because um, it searched for like each term separately. <laughs> uh, let's see. Did you spell one out like O-N-E? Yeah. Oh, here it goes. So it's down there from nine days ago. Greg and Ben discussed Spotify being pressured to remove. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's there. Because five one hit wonders nineteen year of our Lord nineteen ninety eight excuse yes. me excuse me <laughs> I think the next the the ninety nine one that would be, I think that's going to be a lot of fun yeah I feel like the episode is going to be a lot of fun uh, whenever that happens um, yeah that that's a good I was going to say could we put but no three doors down had a couple more hits so they can't yeah. get on there because the first song that came to mind was Kryptonite <laughs> one I. I or it might have been on a previous episode already. You might have it listed nine stories. Oh God, nope. That's going to be on there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There so there's. I, a I'm pretty sure that's. I think that's. <laughs> yeah. 1999. So there you go. Um. So uh, let's get into our music news as we as we are uh, accustomed to doing with each episode. So um, let me get my multivitamins off the table. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, this is a story that interested me just because of like the music industry is is weird, man. Um, so the um, Grammys this past uh, was that in February, I think. I do believe so. So they it was held in New York. The the award ceremony was held in New York for the first time in fifteen years. It um, in the uh, between the last time and this time, it had been the Staples Center, pretty much uh, in Los Angeles. So the Grammy CEO Neil Portnoy is accused of directing funds away from the Music Cares charity. And the Music Cares charity is a charity that provides artists and individuals in the music industry 
in need with emergency medical, financial, and personal assistance. So they used, uh, he, Neil Portnoy is accused of using money from that charity to cover a deficit from producing the 2018 Grammys. The former Music Cares VP Dana, Dana Tomarkin detailed her allegations in a letter addressed to the Recording Academy Board of Trustees, which was obtained by Variety magazine. And in the letter, she says Portno inked a deal to hold the fundraising Music Cares annual Person of the Year event at Radio City Music Hall without her knowledge. And the move and associated costs with also moving to the Grammys to Radio City, um, excuse me, to Madison Square Garden, uh, which the Madison Square Garden Company also owns Radio City Music Hall. The move and the cost for moving the show from L.A. to New York incurred a six to eight million dollar shortfall. And she also claims that she had been negotiating a favorable deal to have the ceremony at Brooklyn's Barclays Center yeah. hmm. uh, for the, uh, the the person of the year dinner and concert. And she says that last June, I received the call from Irving Azoff, Neil and Madison Square Garden Company. And Irving informed me, had early on in New York Grammy negotiations agreed to that the person of the year tribute will be held at Radio City Music Hall and neither I nor anyone in the music care staff was either notified of these discussions or agreement. And as a result, we were forced to walk away from a huge benefit to music cares, Barclays generous financial commitment to their venue. So she had a deal with Barclays, yeah. but he had a deal with Madison square garden and radio city and radio city music hall, which was twice as expensive <laughs> with, yeah, which ended up costing more. Yeah. Um, so how do they pay for it? She believes that he took money from the charity. And that charity is very useful. Um, it goes to help people. So it goes to help musicians. So, of course, you know, every musician, there's a part of the academy. It's not like your Beyonce or your Jay-Z or your Pink or whoever. Um, you do have some people that, you know, sometimes might struggle from time to time to make ends meet. And Music Cares comes through. And will help them. So, like, you know, if there's a musician that's a part of the academy, they can't pay their water bill or can't pay, you know, various utilities or things like that. They will come in and help them. I know I've, I even read stories about people who um, who fell ill. And, you know, of course, unless you are working a full time job, you don't always get benefits like health insurance and stuff. So they'll step they'll step in and help with medical costs. So it's a very worthwhile charity that helps musicians. And um, to think that you would just take from that you know it's like mm. i'm pretty sure the people who are giving to music cares are giving to music cares they're not giving to your expensive mistake of a deal with radio city music hall or madison square garden so it's it's kind of insulting really <laughs> uh she also alleges that music cares lost additional funds after portno and the oakview group a partnership between irving azoff and oakview ceo tim luwiki Remove the organization from a package deal. Oakview had agreed to sell Grammy Week packages that included tickets to the telecast as well as the Person of the Year dinner, designed to raise $1.5 million for Music Cares, she wrote. But she claims that just before Christmas 2017, Neil had subsequently approved dropping Music Cares from the package revenue stream in favor of funding the telecast deficit. And where did he get that money from? 
Oh yeah, music. Well, no, cares. no, the, the no, money no. that was going to come to Music Cares. Oh, that he stopped. Never mind. I thought they he, were saying. he took that off the table. Uh, that's stupid. <laughs> it's like, well, the money that was going to go to Music Cares, we're going to like pay for the cost of moving this show to New York, mm. or at least to Radio City Music Hall. And she claims that these moves contributed in part to a financial loss for Music Cares, claiming being forced into costly agreements we had no control over, Music Cares will likely net $1 million from the 2018 Person of the Year dinner. Last year's debt was $5 million. Mm. They could really use that money, I'm sure. Um, Of course, Tamarkin was fired (laughs) this year (laughs) (laughs) after working with the Recording Academy for 25 years. She claims wrongful termination, citing that she was dismissed after pledging $2,500 to purchase an unsold auction item from the 2017 Person of the Year event, which she was late in paying. She claims that her co-worker, Dorit Kalev, was also fired in connection to that incident. Samarkin claims she initially suffered a painful year of trying to protect music cares from being exploited, enduring ongoing instances of workplace abuse and harassment from two male co-workers. And uh, a spokesperson for the Recorder Academy responded, uh, this is from Rolling Stone, responded to their request. <clears throat> While we will not address point by point the letter from Mr. Markin, who was recently terminated following a thorough investigation, will respond as follows. And they had three points. <laughs> <laughs> Long points, too, actually. Um, based the first one, the decision as to the venue for this year's Person of the Year event was made after careful consideration of all options. Number two... <coughs> Excuse me. As well as Ms. Tarkin knows, neither Music Cares nor the Recording Academy ever intended to reduce, nor will they reduce, the amount of financial support made available to Music Care clients in need. So they're saying they didn't take any money. <laughs> and then number three, yeah. basically she did not say anything about being harassed in the workplace. We will take those allegations very seriously. And so basically... Um, we we considered all the options to move to mm-hmm. a certain venue. Um, we didn't take any money, and she didn't say anything about this workplace harassment until after she was gone. Until, <laughs> <laughs> she was, so, um, yeah, it's very very interesting. Like even in the most, I wouldn't say the most mundane parts of the music industry, but I guess the part that you don't really think about. When you think of the music industry, you're normally thinking of the record companies and the artists and the producers. Yeah, not music here, yeah. the academy. You don't think of the charities or the recording academy or even what goes into producing a television broadcast mm-hmm. of an award ceremony. Which is actually a lot of money, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> so um, these are very serious allegations. Yeah. Like this is this is fraud. Essentially, <coughs> and it's supposed—I mean, since it is supposed to be a charity, I imagine um, that's probably going to hurt <laughs> with the amount of money they get moving forward, unless they take some sort of action to, you know, get this guy out of here. Um, I don't think an apology would be enough here. I think that's more get this person out of here so that we can um, feel better about giving money to these people again. All right, so uh, we'll keep you updated on that kind of story. Mm-mm-mm. Moving on to uh, our favorite streaming service, because we both use it. Spotify. <laughs> um, <laughs> Spotify will walk back their decision 
to remove artists accused of misconduct. Um, most notably, the rapper XXX Tentacion, who we call the Extension Cord, um, from his feature playlist. Following additional allegations against R. Kelly, of course, which we mentioned, numerous streaming services muted the singer's music from their spotlighted playlist. And Spotify went the extra step of taking XXX Tentacion off the off of their playlist, who was previously charged with battering a pregnant woman. And Spotify's move was applauded in some circles. Um, the policy fueled censorship concerns. And uh, Top Dog Entertainment president, Punch, uh, he tweeted, are they censoring music? That's dangerous. Very. And I don't, I think that's kind of what upset me. <laughs> Is like it's one thing, or if you don't want to support the artist, that's fine. But let's not censor the music. It's out. Well, that, that's. I didn't think it was like a big step mm-hmm. to okay. We're just taking you off these playlists. It's not yeah. like you can't. If a, a consumer can't go and listen to that particular artist's music if they want to, they can. But it's. I think. I guess it's more so. If you're coming for R. Kelly, no big deal. They said his numbers actually went up. But what about someone who might be smaller, who's trying to get some shine and it really helps their numbers if they're on these playlists and they're accused of something that maybe they didn't do. And like I was saying with this movement, like most movements nowadays, um, we definitely do act before we think with a lot of these movements. So this movement has not been fleshed out and there's a lot of accusations that are being made and a lot of action taken on purely accusations. Because, I mean, like, if we're being real about this, I believe Bill Cosby was the first person to be, like, prosecuted and convicted in this movement. So we're still working on we're still working on accusations. If you want to act on accusations, that's fine. But this is supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. So if we're really going to go, if we're going to uphold that sort of standard, and I know we're not the courts, we don't have to. But if we want to kind of have that mentality don't just go removing people because of what they're, you know, accused of. Granted, let's just be real. Um, everything about R. Kelly is probably true <laughs> at this point. I really don't think there's anything that um, can't really defend R. Kelly. Everything he's done is true. But before you go, because it's, it's the whole slippery slope. And a lot of people say like, oh, they hate that term. But I do think this is a slippery slope because basically as soon as you they're like, oh, man, um, so-and-so did, you know, we heard so-and-so did something. Remove him from the playlist. And it's just like you could be hurting someone's career at that point off of an accusation. Also consider this. Um, they said Top Dog uh, Entertainment President uh, tweeted that out. And then a uh, a representative for Kendrick Lamar, who was on the Top Dog uh, label, um, reportedly called Spotify CEO Daniel Eck to express their frustration over this policy. And Spotify's industry liaison, Troy Carter, also reportedly threatened to leave the company if the policy wasn't revised. Mm. So (laughs) after that, uh, (laughs) Spotify's uh, their new anti-hate policy, um, XXX Tentacio's manager provided a long list of artists with checkered past and criminal allegations that were not punished by the streaming services. The policy has also been employed to expel white nationalist hate bands from the streaming service. And so, and that's kind of 
the slope we're talking like you know i didn't even think about that like no one really has a well, I'm not going to say no one. There's a lot of people who don't have clean pasts in music. Yeah. If we're just going to be honest. And I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, where are we willing, willing to draw the line? What are we willing to be okay with? And what are we willing to not be okay with? So. So even though um, with XXXTentacion, his, uh, his placement on the spotlighted playlist was restored. Mm-hmm the Spotify still does not plan to promote R. Kelly. Well, I think his are a little more cut and dry. <laughs> uh, As and we I, saw in that video that we're going to Here's the about. list. Here's the list of artists that should have fallen under the policy, the anti-hate policy, um, if Spotify was going this direction. Uh, Gene Simmons of I could Kiss. See, I could see that. He's, he's uh, yeah. accused of sexual battery. Yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers accused of sexual assault. David Bowie had some rape allegations. A band called Real Estate. I think that's one of those bands where just we don't know who they are, so no, no, no one cares. Um, <laughs> the Backstreet Boys, because Nick Carter has been accused of sexual assault. <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne is uh, accused of domestic violence. Ace of Bass, okay. a founding member, a founding member is a neo-Nazi. So the Backstreet Boys and Ace of Base, it doesn't get more innocent, you would think, mm. than that. It's like, oh, who are we going to ban? The Backstreet Boys. For what? From being from the Backstreets? <laughs> Ace of Base. Why? Oh, you know, one of them said Heil Hitler. <laughs> oh, there, there's, some, there's some more interesting oh, God. people. This is Seal. <laughs> Seal is accused of sexual battery. Oh, God. Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin. James Brown. I think we all knew about that one. Michael Jackson. Miles Davis. Okay, I knew about that. Sid Vicious of the Sex Pistols. He was drugged out all the time. (laughs) But did he kill Nancy? Probably. (laughs) Can we take off Hole? Can we take them off for killing Kurt? Take off Courtney Love. See, see that that's part of the slippery slope because that's, that's a conspiracy. Like, that's a conspiracy right there. <laughs> we were playing. I was jamming last Friday, and we were playing Celebrity Skin, and I was singing, and I was like, "This sounds like a Nirvana song." I think she did kill him and just took Take his, his unrecorded stuff. <laughs> oh um, my god! The rapper uh, Six Nine, um, Nelly, <laughs> Miguel. Trey songs. Oh God! What did Trey? What did Trey? He's songs accused do? of domestic violence. Jesus. Fabulous is accused of domestic violence. What? And of course, <laughs> Dr. Dre. Well, he's not on there anyway, so none of his stuffs on Spotify. Well, yeah. there you go. So they would be. Uh, but would Apple Music remove him? Now that's the question. They would have said something already. Yeah. They they would not have given him however many billion dollars. Let's ask Steve Jobs. <laughs> oh wait, sorry, too too soon. <laughs> was it Tim Cook? Is he yeah, the CEO? You asked Tim Cook. Okay, no, that's I know Steve Jobs is dead. People, I'm not. That was poor poor uh, taste and joke. But yeah, we'll ask Tim Cook what he thinks, and he probably won't say anything. <laughs> um, wow, Seal. Ooh, okay. That's fu- that's funny that all these people don't take Seal. I do listen to Seal pretty regularly. 
because he does all of those standards albums. Well, people wouldn't want to be able to take Michael Jackson. Yeah, don't or take James Brown, don't. Miles Davis. Mm-mm. You know, there's somebody in there who doesn't want to take real estate, whoever they are. Yeah, I bet you they were like, guys, I mean, I know this isn't good news, but we got some publicity, guys. <laughs> real estate. I've heard of Sunny Day real estate, but never just real estate. That's. Huh. I know some people that would be that would probably be happy Kiss was taken off. Yeah. <laughs> I know a few people who might be happy. All right. So um what do you think? Do do you think that Spotify needed this policy? No. Or do you think like they had to do something to No. And and it's to more it so like they support it? And that's the thing. So while you want to be considered supportive of the advancement of, you know, of women's rights, because who's going to stand in the way of women's rights? That's just that sound. That's men. dumb. Men. <laughs> men will. Well, I guess men with um, men blinded by their own masculinity. Um, but it's like at a certain point, you have to kind of just kind of say, all right, we think some of this might be short sighted. And then just hope that it doesn't blow up in your face. Cause I do think just removing, just blindly removing people from a service that have not been proven guilty is a little short sighted. I think, I just think it is. Um, does that mean that I'm all for, you know, the harassment of women in the workplace and in the professional environments? No, that's not what I mean. Um, while I, all I'm saying is before we just get happy about just removing everybody, Let's at least just well for one I I still say just separate the music and the person. Yeah, yeah. Th- I mean that's really what has to happen. Just separate the music and the person. As we've just seen, no one really has a clean past. Even though we just named maybe a dozen artists, there are probably still a lot more. Yeah, because there and with these the artists that were listed, I don't know who actually like went to trial or whatever. But even with someone like R. Kelly, mm-hmm. to where yeah, it seems clear as day. <laughs> He did something. It's just like everyone's hiding he has it. Not, he has not been brought to justice, you know. And there, and there are artists who are who have been brought to justice that are still on the service. Like, see, mm-hmm. murder kills somebody. <laughs> he is in jail right now, but is his music on Spotify? Yes, it is. Yeah, you can still go listen to Bossolini. <laughs> Um, oh God! There's a rapper named Cool C. I don't know if he he was sentenced. I think he was sentenced to death. <laughs> Isn't Kodak know. Black still on there too? Isn't Kodak Black? Yeah. Was he guilty? He was found guilty, I think. I don't know. Uh, he's on trial. I'm not. I'm not sure exactly <laughs> what his situation is. Meek Mill was in jail for. I mean, I don't. Okay, violating probation because he popped a wheelie in a music video. Maybe that doesn't constitute anti hate. But <laughs> or you know, or murder. But you know, still, like it's but, you know, if we're going there, <laughs> you know, it's this is this is one of those things that it is. You can pick and choose. It becomes subjective, and like you said, it is a, it is a slippery slope. Yeah, you know, or is it is it someone could consider it anti hate that Lisa Lopez burned down Andre Rison's house. You know, but is TLC still on Spotify? Yes, yes they, they is. They <laughs> still on here. So, um, I think I, I personally don't think Spotify had to do anything. No. I agree with you about um, separating the artist from the person. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, you don't have to listen to that artist. No one is making you listen to these artists. No, and you can form your own opinion about them. Like for yeah. me personally, 
I, I was never into R. Kelly. <laughs> I was never like a big fan of R. Kelly. I heard his songs. Some of them are good. Some of them I didn't really care for. But even I was I was over R. Kelly before all of these news, all of this news <laughs> about him came out. You know, um, but if I wanted to listen to an R. Kelly song, I don't feel bad about it. I don't yeah. feel conflicted about it. Yeah, it's just it's very knee jerk. Which is what a lot of these movements are. They, they can be very knee-jerk until until they really form themselves. I mean, like, not even to get political here, but, like, early the early Black Lives Matters movement was, like, dysfunctional. The early, um, what was the Wall Street Occupy movement was dysfunctional. Like, they just, but that's just how we are now, like, with movements in this new, this new generation. It's like we have an idea, and it just, and then, boom, it just takes off. Maybe it's because of social media and it can just spread faster, but like it just takes off and it spreads. And usually it's like a year or two in until it's like really like, all right, we really know what we're here for. We really know what we stand for. Unless you're like the Occupy movement where I don't think they ever figured out what they stood for. No. It was just too, it was too decentralized. Um, I mean, because you still had people like if you're using the Black Lives Matter movement as an example when those officers got shot down in Dallas and they were like, no, this isn't what we stand for. We're not here to kill people. That was clearly too like people from the outside were like black lives matters. They all want police to die. No, that's not what that movement's about. Yeah, well, because it's because if it, because that movement was pro black, if you're yeah. pro something, that means you you're have to be anti something. something. Yeah. And that's, and that's not the that's case. Never how it is. And so it was like, you, you had like this faction of people who were like, this is what it stands for. Then you had a faction of people saying, no, that's not what it stands for. Actually, we're not violent. And I'm seeing that here. Like, some people are like, you know, every person accused of any sort of sexual harassment, you know, even if it's just an accusation or allegations, because you have to be careful. We have to use that word, allegations, alleged, because a lot of these people have not been convicted. Some people right now are okay with with blackballing somebody based on allegations, so I, I would assume eventually at a certain point we'll get to the point where people are it'll split off where you'll have the people and they'll be considered extreme where they're like we don't even care if it's a whisper you're black ball to people saying well hey let's see what happens because somebody is going to be proven innocent that was blackballed someone whose career was ruined is going to be proven innocent and I know it's just a movement I know there can be this disconnection or this disassociation because you know, they're rich celebrities, but like, it's not cool, regardless of who they are, to ruin someone's life based on a rumor. It's just not cool. And that's whether they're rich or not. It's just not cool. Because the accusation is going to be front page, but the redaction is going to be on page 10. Oh, and yeah. you, you may never see it. You know, that's how it goes. You may never see it. And so that's what you have to be careful about. And I think some people, since it doesn't happen, because it's one of those things where like, if it's never happened to you or someone that you're close to it's just a story in the newspaper to you, you know? Um, but I mean, we've seen it many a times where somebody is accused of something and their life gets like just a normal person, their life gets ruined. And maybe 10 years later, the victim recants or DNA evidence clears them or, or something happens. And that's, then that's happened, you know, well, it's, I guess it'll be connected to us because uh, he ended up getting a, a tryout with the Falcons Brian Banks. Brian Banks, yeah. And by then, though, it was just like it was, it was pointless. Like he just, yeah. you weren't in the shape. It's it's too it's too late. 
all of that based on a lie. So, you know, that's that's what I don't want to happen with this movement. That's where, you know, I doubt anyone who's a part of the Me Too movement is listening. But if you are, just think about that. You know, I know there's this thought and I see it on Reddit all the time that like um, that um, false accusations happen all the time. And they really don't. They're not that they're not as common as people think, but they do happen. So that's where you got to be careful. I just wish in a way in something like that, as far as the Me Too movement goes, a way that people would be encouraged if there if something happens that they would say something about it, Mm -hmm. because what happened with what happened with people like Harvey Weinstein and and Bill Cosby and even recently Morgan Freeman. um, These are are these alleged victims have held this information for years and Mm -hmm. years and and then it just comes out. Yeah. Like, you know, the term of what Bill Cosby was trying to buy NBC. So were you just waiting until it was convenient? Mm-hmm. I would and, love and to then get when a... you we're waiting until it's convenient, then that can cast a shadow of doubt. So yeah. I but I understand when things happen at the time, it's hard to say something mm-hmm. immediately because a lot of there are a lot of factors that can discourage somebody. There's, there's fear, or... there's shame. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> some people offer money right away. It's like, well, maybe I should take Donald it because I kind of need it, or you know, something like that. So, um, Trump. <laughs> I guess that's one thing that we have to that you know that we have to get to to where if there, if you are indeed a victim, you can be encouraged to speak mm-hmm. out immediately because when it comes up at a certain time when something's about to happen and then somebody, you know, has some allegations. It could hurt your credibility. Yeah. They can. Because it's like, you had this information before, why didn't you say anything? Yeah. And not to, I don't want the, that to sound like victim blaming at no. all. And it's, I don't think it is. I think it's just when you, when you want it to be fixed, you want, you, you're encouraged to encourage people to do it the, I don't want to say the right way, but the best way possible. So it is, it's almost kind of similar to, and I think one of the reasons why a lot of victims don't come forward is because of that mentality where there is a lot of victim blaming. You know, yeah. I've, I've read things where the police will, they'll, they'll victim blame right, right off the bat. Like, what were you wearing? How were you acting? What were you like? All these things. It's just like, um, I'm, I'm the victim here. <laughs> I'm trying to file the complaint. And then it's just like, if you're going up against a powerful person, God forbid it's a powerful man like most famous men to keep that fame and that status will fight it tooth and nail. Mm-hmm. As we've seen with our president right now, who is, who basically paid off a porn star and is dragging, was trying to, you know, drug her name. You know, it's just, it's so it, but the, the lawyer you have doing it, <laughs> the fixer right? has his old issues. Yeah. Where like, so it's like, I, just, I can I'm totally, just, it's just a, I can understand, you know, it is. (laughs) And I can understand why some people might be reluctant because especially like if you're looking at like, there's no way I can win this. You just hold it in until it, and you know, you hold it in, you push it down like Bill Burstay, just pushing it down, just keep pushing it down (laughs) until one day just explodes. And you're, (laughs) you know, so I would love to get a, um, not that we're a political podcast, but it'd be interesting to get a, a female perspective on this though. Because yeah. I, I imagine they'd have, you know, completely different... Because we're, we're two dudes. Yeah. Like, we're, we're breaking it down <laughs> as best we can. So... All right. Um, and speaking of the... Uh, well, we've talked about him before. And 
I'm just going to play this clip, okay? <laughs> sure we got our volume up here. Um, it's got some dirty wordies in it, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> parental discretion advised. Yeah, if you're listening to this with your kids. I don't know. Do people listen to this with their kids? I don't know. But if you are, uh, cover their ears or, or, yeah. or something. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Here we go. I'm so destiny. It's too late. They should have did this shit 30 years ago. It's too late. It, the music has been injected into the world. Okay? I hired my motherfucking self. I want to propose a toast to all the strong motherfuckers in here right now. Yes, sir. Motherfuckers like you is why I still continue to do what I do because I have a basketball mentality. You understand? Well, as long as I got the ball, the world is on defense. So uh, that toast was proposed by one Robert Kelly. And uh, this was uh, last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this was from Facebook. This was uh, also posted on Twitter. And um, he says that he is handcuffed by his destiny. And despite all the allegations for uh, physical abuse, sexual misconduct, um, a woman, Faith Rogers, has filed a lawsuit in New York accusing him of of a sexual assault incident. Uh, The Mute R. Kelly campaign, Spotify removing him. He he feels untouchable. Yeah. Basically. He feels like. And I don't know if this is a, a bad description, like the Harvey Weinstein of the music industry. Like everyone knows what he's doing, but no one's stopping him. And maybe it's because everyone's making too much money. And but it's just like, you know, I even met someone that I knew um, who used to live out, you know, on the West Coast. It was like, oh, yeah, everyone knew about Harvey Weinstein. Like everyone knew about what he was doing when we watched the, the documentary. Oh, yeah, everyone knew about R. Kelly. <laughs> the girls at the high school knew about it. I mean, they almost sounded like a rite of passage. I mean, some of them sounded almost kind of like like gazelles on the Sahara. Like, oh no, yeah. If you, I mean, if you want it, go get it. But if not, you run because our killer was a lion, and these women were prey. Like it's, I mean, like there were some things in that documentary that were downright disgusting. Um, And then there were people in that in that documentary who just outright were all but said like, well, yeah, I kind of helped him. (laughs) We we didn't like, or like I didn't help him, but I didn't stop him. Like that kid, that guy in the video says, I can't afford no more kids. Wow. <laughs> We're all complicit. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, uh, Betty bought all the drinks, too, in that video. <laughs> it looked like it was in a house. Yeah. He, so it might have been stuff he already had. But he feels that it's like you should have stopped him 30 years ago. That, and is that not a bold line? You should have stopped me 30 years ago. 
I'm basically like I've gotten too. I'm too good now. I'm too out here. I perfected my craft. Yeah, you ain't never gonna catch me. <laughs> so that means there was someone before Aaliyah. Because <laughs> yeah, what he was? How old was Aaliyah? Sixteen? How old was 15, he? Fifteen, fourteen, fifteen. And he was like what thirty at that he point? He was like or in his twenties um, or something. No, no, he was like uh, twenty six, twenty seven. Okay. So yeah, there was yeah there was someone before Aaliyah. And he's totally okay with this. Like, he sees nothing wrong here. Because 30 years ago, he'd been 21. So, yeah, there was someone before Leah. And that's kind of scary um, that he's been getting away with this with it this long. But like we said, the, the city of Chicago's propping him up. He's still got, he's got people, you know, clearly in his camp. Like, nobody said, hey, man, stop it. <laughs> 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 like, no one said that. They just were like, yeah, woo, yeah. Let's toast. Um, so that's, I mean, that's, I'm surprised he, I'm surprised he allows um, phones too, man. That's like, I would think that's something you don't want getting out. Yeah. There's some very bold mm. statements in that toast. So I imagine that guy is no longer. Um, yeah. I think someone had just like, they told him to leave. Mm. Or it didn't matter. Like this video could be used as evidence, but are you getting, are you getting to a trial? We get to a trial. We need an accuser to get to a trial. <laughs> Ain't no, no one's there, coming there's forward. There's some lawsuits. There's a couple. Of, there's a couple of accusers out there. Well, he pays them off, right? Yeah. <laughs> should have came. They should have. They should have never let them have money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To quote old Rick James, boy Rick James. But yeah, it's just it's kind of messed up. It's kind of like it just screams of somebody drunk with power. I don't really know how else to put it. Like he is just it's this screams drunk with power. And yeah, like you said, he thinks he's untouchable. Yeah. He thinks he is basically untouchable. They've tried few like many have tried, many have failed. <laughs> oh man. Well, um let's see what happens with that. We'll definitely keep you updated. Um all right, so Let's get to the charts, man. Um, Hot 100, top 10 songs. The top uh, six songs are exactly the same as last week. Didn't even move. (laughs) So number one is still This Is America by The Threat. Childish Gambino. (laughs) Number two, Nice For What by the Perpetual Kentucky Recruit. Number three, God's Plan by the Perpetual Kentucky Recruit. Number four, Psycho by Sirius Malone featuring Ty Dolla Sign. Number five, Meant To Be by B.B. Rexa featuring or and the Nickelback of country. The uh, number six, the middle by Zed Marin Morris and gray number seven, no tears left to cry by the strongest ponytail in the game. Number eight, look alive by black boy JB featuring the perpetual Kentucky recruit. Number nine, never be the same by the artist formerly known as fifth harmony. And number 10, perfect by the most influential artist in black music. Holding on strong. All right, let's get to the top 200 albums. Top 10. Number one, still number one, Beer Bongs and Bentleys by Sirius Malone. Do we take him seriously yet? Nah. I mean, he's trying, but nah, not yet. All right. Uh, Number two, jumping from number 83, Beautiful Trauma by Pink. Let's let's do a little Google search and see what happened here. Did she go on touring? 
give away her albums like Metallica. Is this a new album? No, this is old. Is it? Yeah, Beautiful Trauma came out in October 2017. So it's oh, old, she... but not that old. Okay, so she go, she's going on tour. That's got to be what it is. Let's see here. And you get the, the she, did, she did the Metallica thing. If you buy a ticket, you get a free digital copy of the album. So she's definitely on tour, but it doesn't seem like she's giving away anything. Uh, that's so weird. I'll see what I can find. That's what. That's really weird. All right. So let's see what yeah we find is there. Number three, debuting at number three, a Playboy Cardi. His album's called Die Lit. Oh yep, it is. Same thing. She's on tour. So yeah, um, earning one hundred thirty nine thousand equivalent album units. Um, fueled by a concert slash ticket album sell redemption offer tied to the next leg of her latest tour. So, yeah. So, there you go. Number four, debuting at number four, Voice Notes by Charlie Puth. Number five, The Greatest Showman Soundtrack. And it's up. It went up. It was number seven last week. How many times did you stream This Is Me, Ben? I don't know. I don't think I did at all. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe once on accident. Number six, KOD by No Features Ever. <laughs> Number seven, Invasion of Privacy by Love and Hip Hop legend Cardi B. Number eight, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino by the Arctic Monkeys. So, one, they're still making music. I remember it was like, I know we were at West Georgia. So, oh, yeah, this is when... at least 15 years ago where they were touted as the next Beatles. Yes, they were. They are. Their their career has been interesting because like every album I think has been different music, um, and I know their last not the latest album but the one where um, with uh, do I want to know was probably their most successful and it was I mean like listening to them um, what they did on that album versus what they did on the first album um, yeah that album was called AM and it came out in 2013 oh God this is their this is the follow up to that five years later. Hmm. Okay, so this one is lounge pop, space pop, glam rock. So yeah, they're just last one was indie rock, hard rock, psychedelic. Yeah, they're just they're just different. <laughs> All right, uh, number nine got the Black Panther soundtrack and debuting at number ten, activated by T Grizzly. I've never heard of T Grizzly. I've heard of. Him. I'm not familiar with his music. But I've heard I've heard that name a lot. He's from Detroit. All right. All right. So uh, we'll move to the Artist 100. She's going out on tour. Her album is up in sales. So number one this week is Pink. Hmm. Okay. Number two, Sirius Malone. Number three, The Perpetual Kentucky Recruit. Number four, we're worried about them. <laughs> and I believe their album is going to be number one next week. Yeah. Uh, they just released an album. So. Number five, the retired, unretired 2K legends. Number six, Charlie Puth. Number seven, love and hip-hop legend Cardi B. Number eight, The Threat. Number nine, the most influential artist in black music. And number ten, no features ever. Just missing the top ten, the Arctic Monkeys at number eleven. Mm, I think had it not been for uh, the BTS hype as well as Pink, they probably would have broke the top ten. So, uh... Man, I, would, I, I, I might take try to go back to see, have we done an episode in which 
Ed Sheeran is not in the top ten. Probably of not. This. Ed Sheeran might be the biggest pop because unlike Taylor Swift, he didn't fall off. Yeah, with his his latest album, Taylor Swift kind of fell off a little bit. His album came out a year ago. Yeah, and it's still over a year ago. He's still popping. Like he basically has, like he's nice to everyone. He doesn't really, you know, cause a stir. His music is accessible. Um, I think he's gonna be around for a while. <laughs> like we've we've basically seen that he um, didn't lose any shine because he don't look that good. So <laughs> he he broke through that. So. As long as he keeps making now, if he ever tries to get experimental, then he might lose it. But mm. if he just makes another, you know, one of these albums, I mean, he could. I mean, essentially, I don't see him going anywhere, and I don't think he wants to. I don't think he's going to be like a John Mayer, where I think John Mayer was like, "All right, this pays the bills, but I really want to play blues and jazz." <laughs> and they're like, "But that don't sell." And he's like, "I don't care. Just give me my house in Montana, and I'm cool." And that's where he's been ever since, making folk music. Like he just does what he wants I don't think Ed Sheeran will do that I think Ed Sheeran likes being famous so he'll probably keep making this type of music have you heard the new John Mayer song yes sounds like a disco song almost I think it was produced <laughs> by No ID yes it was it was interesting combination there he just does what he wants he just... yeah <laughs> um well uh that'll do it for our music news Ooh. and um we'll get to Ben's earworm of the week so tell us about it um, so ever since we did the episode on, uh, Rogers and Edwards, um, kind of became obsessed with this song. And then I just really like playing drums to it because it's just got, everything's really up. The bass is up. The horns are up. The drums are up. So it's Notorious by Duran Duran, the title track to Notorious. Um, yeah, it's just, so, it's such a fun song. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it. It's just really fun. All right. So we'll play that Notorious by Duran Duran. And we'll be right back.
All right, so that is Notorious by Duran Duran from their album, Notorious, produced by Nile Rodgers, in which he was uh, actually the guitar player for <laughs> the whole album because they only had three members. And you can find that on our BTT YHT Earworms playlist on Spotify right now. All right, so um, we started the song with the first track of what's considered an R&B classic album. Oh, yeah. A song called If I Had No Loot. And we'll be discussing Tony, Tony, Tony's album Sons of Soul, which uh, If I Had No Loot, that was it. Was that a single? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Um also had the singles. Uh, I know Lay Your Head on My Pillow was a single. Yeah, Anniversary. Anniversary. Um, so Slow Wine was one of them. Leaving, I don't remember Leaving being a single. I know Slow Wine was. Um, but yeah, there's there's song, since I know the album so well, I have to think, like, was that a single? Was That that wasn't a single, no. I know If I Had No Loot was the, was I'm pretty sure was the song that made me go get the album. Um, when I was younger, and um, looking back on it, maybe maybe it would have looked weird. I don't. I'm trying to remember like if this was weird to my mom and my sister, because it's it's one of those things from my childhood. I distinctly remember. You know, there's we're only two malls in Columbus, and I was pretty sure we had gone to Peachtree Mall, and I remember you know buying the cassette tape and walking out with it and being very excited. And I just wonder, like, you know, when I went, I was like, hey, I want to get Tony, 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 Sons of Soul. My mom was like, why do you like Tony, Tony, Tony? Because, I mean, when this came out, I was nine. I didn't even <laughs> turn 10 yet. You know, it's like, why are you listening to this? Um, and it's one of those albums that I liked it back then for different reasons than I like it now. I like it now for its musicianship, for its songwriting. Back then, the songs were just really cool and kind of catchy. But now that I actually get it, I get it. And I see it for what it was. I'm just lucky enough that I happen to see it on, you know, BET enough to want to get it. Because my sister had the revival. Okay. Um, and I discovered a lot of music through her, <laughs> actually. <laughs> but she had the revival. And so then when I saw, you know, this video on BET, I just had to get this album. Yeah. All right. So um, this album was from 1993. I'll show you guys the cover of it. Um, they worked with uh, well they, they recorded in California and they also recorded in Trinidad yeah so at the beginning of Slow Wine they actually talk about it <laughs> being down in Trinidad Tobago so yeah apparently there's a dance down there um, this went double platinum and uh, let's see if I if it where it charted as far as the album itself. Uh, it charted its highest number 24 on the album, the Billboard charts, it looks like here, and then on the R&B album charts, it charted number three. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, other, what included uh, Gerald Albright, I don't, I think you, you didn't know who that was, so I mentioned that before. Yeah, the saxophone player. <laughs> so yeah. Gerald, Gerald Albright was uh, one of the session musicians as well. Um, and the album was uh, produced by the band themselves. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, what did what what kind of if you if you you know to if you're listening to it now or when you were listening to it when you were younger, what kind of stood out to you first? So, what stands out to me now is the. The, the live instruments they used. So, of course, like the drums, they have a drummer in Tony, 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 but they used a lot of drum machines. When they played live, of course, he played the drum tracks. But, like, when I was, as I got older, um, what really kind of brought me back to the record was actually reading up on it and reading about the different guitars that Dwayne used. Um, because I I think I, like, I heard, no you know, if I had no loot, which, of course, starts out with the, after the drum part, and the vocals just starts out with like a, a guitar lick, very funky guitar lick. And then there's a funky guitar solo, like a funk guitar solo in the middle of the song. And I started to kind of become a little um, intrigued with the like what he used on that album, because um, the more I started reading about him, he's a, like a serious guitar player. So like he approached it like a guitar player would, you know, going into like, all right, I'm going to use the Gibson something or this Gibson on this maybe i'll use a a fender on this like he really put thought into it and so that's that's really what reconnected my thoughts so then i started you know looking into rafael sadiq um you know who was who's their bass player so he did a lot of the writing but he played bass on all the tracks um and so as i you know like i said like getting older this is age like wine it just it keeps getting better i keep finding things about it that i like um and so in my older age, it's really the live instrumentation that got me to know that, like, you know, they weren't using loops. They were playing this stuff, kind of like with organized noise. They brought in musicians, which is something that as I got older, I noticed about their production work. Same thing here. They're actually using live instruments. So when they would go play these songs, it sounded awesome. <laughs> it translated a little bit better, you know. And then, of course, they bring in horn sections. Um, they bring in extra Oddly enough, I cannot remember ever seeing Rafael Sadiq actually playing bass in the live performances. <laughs> um, I knew he played bass, but he never played bass in their performances. He was just always out in front singing. And so uh, this album was the follow-up to the revival. Mm-hmm. And uh, the album they produced themselves. They were inspired by live instrumentation, turntablism, soul music. That is a New Jack Swing album. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and it's funny. So they have the line, you mm. can New Jack Swing on my nuts, which we found out. I didn't know this was a sample from a Nice Cube song. Um, and we were wondering, like, if that was kind of them poking fun at New Jack Swing. Yeah. Even though they clearly made a New Jack Swing song. Well, I think they, they I think to to do that, they didn't want to be like pigeonholed. Yeah. Because I, I, with a lot of New Jack Swing acts, um, it was just the the faces you would see were really just the vocalists, and there was a lot of dancing. There was a lot of bands to where they were playing their own instruments outside of Guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you think about, so even, just kind of backtrack a bit, looking at an album like The Revival, the main, the big single off of that was Feels Good. Yeah. Which basically, you don't really see them playing any instruments in the video. They're just dancing in like really loud suits because it was the 90s. Why not? <laughs> and uh, you said that um, Rafael Sadiq said that uh, uh, 
well, it was their first commercial success, and it um, broadened their exposure to fans. Raphael Sadiq became um, dissatisfied with the music industry, saying that every record company wants to get a group and put them in a Benz with a car phone and a beeper, showing them <laughs> dressing in three different outfits, put them in a video shot on the beach with lots of swinging bikinis. You won't ever see us on a beach. We're just down to earth, funky, like to play guys. So they see themselves as musicians, mm-hmm. which, which they is are. different, which is different from a lot of groups at that time. Definitely. Outside of, like you mentioned, Guy and I would maybe say Mint Condition, who yeah. kind of went through the same thing on their first album. You don't really see them playing instruments. Then the second album, I mean, they basically, I don't think they used a drum machine or a, like they used some keyboards, but like everything was live on um, definition of a band. So, you know, both bands kind of took similar approaches to their music, like where they're like, all right, well, in the beginning, we didn't have that much control. Now we've got the control. Let's make the album that we really want to make. And that's I think this one in House of Music, which was the follow up to this one, are considered their best albums. Um, Some people consider House of Music their best album. I don't. But that's preference. I could see why some people might think it's their best album. Um, but I just think that Sons of Soul is, is better, in my opinion. And it could just be, you know, because I grew up with it, I listened to it all the time. But I just I just like it better. I think the songwriting is much, much better. And uh, before they did, um, I just realized I didn't, it was when The Revival actually came out. Mm-hmm. But between The Revival and Sons of Soul, they did a song, they did the song Me and You for Boys in the Hood soundtrack. Yeah. They did a, a House Party, I Don't Know What You Come to Do from the house party two, that's the college one <laughs> and uh, waiting on you for the film poetic justice. And, uh, with sons of soul, you hear kind of the influence. They list their influences here. They said, we're paying homage to a lot of the older artists who paved the way for us. Like the temptations sign, the family stone, earth, wind and fire. And they're the people who inspired us. when We were growing up people like Aretha Franklin, James Brown, and um, to me, like, from what I remember hearing on this album, um, a lot of, well, major funk influence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Sly and the Family Stone, Earth, Wind, and Fire, uh, very easy to hear the influence there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and James Brown as yeah. well. Um, and... Uh, one thing that sticks out to me about about this band is I don't know a lot of like black bands that use acoustic instruments very much. Yeah, they use those. Um, that was one thing that stuck out to me and that they they weren't trying to be pop it was pop because it, you know that's coincidental yeah it just happened to be popular <laughs> happened, at the time <laughs> yeah you know they weren't trying to um they weren't compromising to mm-hmm. me as far as their sound goes and with listening to their with listening to the revival up to sons of soul i mean you it's kind of like they wanted to go back to their roots. They wanted to go back to being a band Mm -hmm. 
they didn't want to lose themselves as far as being this popular group. Mm-mm. I think so. Well, you're just dancing. Yeah. <laughs> Because, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I did love some songs on the revival. I love the song Feels Good. Um, Because it's a, I mean, why couldn't, how could you not love it? It's an upbeat, danceable track. But, you know, he didn't want to be, what do you say, in the bins with the the car phone? Car phone, the beeper, (laughs) on a beach. (laughs) So you could tell, like, you know, he was disillusioned. You know, he made the album. Like, all right, we'll make what they want us to make until we can get to the position where we can make what we want to make. And Sons of Soul and to an extent House of Music, that was what they like. This is what we would rather do. It's a shame they broke up after House of Music. I thought they would, you know, they probably could have kept going Um, and looking back on it. So I didn't think it at the time, but looking back on it, um, I thought, you know, I was thinking to myself, like, how did Rafael Sadiq not get bigger? So, like, he's clearly a good writer. He was in Lucy Pearl for a little bit. And he he did some solo stuff. I know he worked on a couple of people's albums. But, like, he never got bigger than, like, a, he never got bigger than, like, a cult following. Like, you know, musicians know who, you know, musicians and people who are in the R&B and neo-soul and stuff. We know who Rafael Sadiq is. How do you, but how do you market someone like him? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't think you can, you know, if there's a formula for marketing a pop star, he's involved. (laughs) It's hard to market someone like him, but he would definitely be someone that other artists respect and admire. Your artist's favorite artist. Yeah. (laughs) So to speak, like an Andre Mm -hmm. 3000. Um, And I, so that was always, and also consider this is, uh, you're trying to you trying to market an R and B singer who Don't. either he doesn't want to dance or he can't. <laughs> but, but either way, but on the revival, they were dancing, so maybe he was just unwilling to continue dancing. <laughs> He's like, no. Nah. So how do you market? How do you market that guy? How do you? Mar- it's hard to market R and B anyway. Yeah. How do you market an R and B guy who's not going to be dancing? Like yeah. he's not going to be you know Chris Brown out there. Nope, not. Nah. <laughs> and he wants to have his base with him at all times. Just like, well, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know what to do with him. Um, I just, I don't know. I just, I guess I thought he would be bigger. And I mean, you make some good points there. Like, how do you market this guy? So as a result, he ends up just being, you know, this, I don't want to say underground sensation, but he ends up kind of being underappreciated, if you will, only to the mainstream because he is like, he is considered a legend in soul and R&B circles. Like, it's like, you bring up Raphael Sadiq and it's just like, oh yeah, Raphael Sadiq is legit. But outside of that, it's just like, you know, people know Anniversary. They know the, they know the hits, but they don't really know much else that he did. So, and I guess that always just kind of gets me because I always wanted more for him. Not that, I'm sure he's not struggling or anything, but I just always wanted more for him. Yeah. All right, um, with the recording of the album, uh, well, you, see, you can get into that. Like you took by now, they used um, different session musicians. Mm-hmm. They get the horn section from Saturday Night Live. Yeah, the SNL horn um, players. Um, I'm trying to see here. I can't remember what guitar. Let's see if I can find. So <clears throat> looking at the production here, um, they utilize vintage and contemporary recording gear. So, you know, 
and I know back in 1993, I don't really know what the contemporary recording year would have been. I know now it'd be like, oh, you could either use a reel to reel audio tape or you could use just all digital. And well, if Pro you're our Pro Tools, <laughs> if you're, and I imagine if you're someone like, you know, Josh, who I'm sure is listening, you're probably, you know, he would be like, yeah, man, that reel to reel, it just sounds warm. <laughs> and honestly, what they mean by warm, it just doesn't sound as digital, which a lot of people don't like. I like both. I really don't mind a digital sound, um, but I could see where, like, if you're trying to make an old school soul type album, you're probably going to want some vintage type stuff. So Hammond B3 Oregon, the clavinet, which is um, the clavinet is heavily used by um, Stevie Wonder and a lot of this stuff. Um, Corgan Roland synthesizers, um, the you know, Newman, which wouldn't really mean that much to people, but Newman and AKG condenser microphones. Um, they used some Moog synthesizers um, and then the guitars. So um, Dwayne, for his, um, he played a vintage Gibson LCS, um, L6S, which just has two humbuckers and then his Fender Coronado guitar with Gibson burst bucker pickups, which um, humbuckers are just uh, double pickups. Usually helps with um, cutting down on the hiss that you would get from a single coil guitar like a fenders have single coils gibson's paul reed smith's um have usually have the doubles if you're going with like popular guitars um like if you've ever seen like a fender strat and it's got the one row of the metal things like the metal bumps that you see under the strings those are pickups they just pick up the sound they're like microphones that pick up the sound of the guitar and so um most gibson's will have a double pickup, which is basically just two rows of those, um, gives you a nicer, a, a fatter sound, and um, it cuts down on the hiss. Like single coil guitars, you get like a background hiss with the humbuckers. You don't, and um, but like you know, they're the um, single coils are really popular in blues, whereas humbuckers they're popular in blues, but more so a heavier blues. So like BB um, King, he plays. Gibsons, he plays with humbuckers. Steve Ray Vaughan, Jimi Hendrix, they play with single coil. They play those fenders. So just a diff- bit of a different sound. I prefer humbuckers just because it's a fatter sound. Okay. So like if you listen, like the <clears throat> beginning, the riff in the beginning of If I Had No Loot, that's a humbucker. It's not as thin. It doesn't sound as thin compared to like if you think of what you might hear on like Wind Cries Mary. It's a little bit of a thinner sound, but it's, it's all about preference, really, what you like. Um, as we mentioned before, they uh, recorded, they had sessions at the Caribbean Sound Basin in Trinidad, and they immersed themselves in the culture there and had, um, what was one of the songs? Slow Wine. Slow Wine. Yeah. Uh, dance Hall. Um, what Goes Around Comes Around. Which was so good. <laughs> so what do you think of of those songs in which they used we'll play um one of those uh we'll play what goes around comes around and as far as the as far as like the the influence the caribbean influence on the album so the biggest caribbean influence on here was the um uh, General Grant comes in at the end, starts doing find us, keep us, lose us, weep us, like at the end. Outside of that, it's kind of just like a standard kind of funk track until he comes in at the end. Um, All right, let's skip to that. 
Yeah. I just remember like this was one of those songs, man, like at night just playing this in my room. Like just listening to this track and then he just comes in. Yeah. Like he just comes in and does this like whole rap. I, I to this day I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> I don't know other than this part. But there's a lot of songs on this album I didn't know the words to until I got older. Like I didn't know the meaning of my ex-girlfriend and all this stuff and um, tell me mama. Just a lot of stuff I didn't know the meaning of. (laughs) Um, So what do you think? Well, with the with the the influence on the uh, on the album, does it make it? more varied or did it is that just one thing that kind of separates itself as being um or that makes it great or what having the caribbean and yeah mm -hmm. so like you can you kind of hear it in dance hall um i think you kind of well no because fun is more like just a is more like a that's a straight new jack swing it's got the horns and everything in there um I mean, it, it kind of makes it stick out a little bit. Back then, I didn't really think too much of it. And I guess now I, I, I didn't really think too much about it either. Um, I don't think so. Slow Wine doesn't sound anything like any Caribbean influence. I mean, they just talk about the dance. Slow Wine is a straight slow jam from the 90s. That's what Slow Wine is. And it's a really good one. Probably one of the better ones that came out. But um, with with the with the guy rapping at the end of it, that kind of does give it like a, a cool feeling. But I never, you know, thought like, oh, this is kind of got the Caribbean feel. It's just like this is a Jamaican dude and he's rapping at the end of this song. <laughs> and I just remember as a kid, like thinking he goes on for a long time, but it didn't really bother me that he went on for a long time. Uh, apparently, he was uh, he was freestyling. Oh, dope. Okay, people. <laughs> All right, that's what's up. <laughs> he, that was a freestyling. What goes around comes around, and he would be hanging around the sessions. And with the song Dance Hall, they brought him on there, and he was, that was another freestyle. So he just didn't write. Okay, he just did. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, honestly, yeah. like, if you didn't understand him, you wouldn't know what he's saying anyway. So <laughs> it was a good freestyle, though. It, it, it worked with, the, with whatever they were, what they were doing there. It worked. Yeah. Uh, so there were about 40 songs made. I could believe that. 40 songs written for the album. And how many made it? 15. Well, I'm not going to count 12 because it's 33 seconds and it's just a homeless dude singing. So, 14. <laughs> Castle Ears is a minute 18 yeah. as well. Um, but. Anniversary makes up for it, though, coming in at just sort yeah, of 10 minutes. minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, what do you think of the. The the song I think that that people would know from this album is anniversary. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think? It's like it's um, it's what makes it this great song that we played at weddings and for some reason proms because <laughs> <laughs> it's got that. So, like, today, it's because it's got that classic 90s slow jam that we kind of still long for. You know, the beat sounds similar. 
to the beat that um, Bruno Mars uses in Versace on the floor. And it's got that sound that we, and it's like, oh, it's got the sound we long for. Let's just go to the source. Back then, I think it was just because even though it is a 90s slow jam, the way in which it was written, I mean, I can't think of anything that was like that song at the time. Um, It's just, it was just so well written. It had layers. It, you know, like a lot of R&B songs just, you know, use a straight chord progression that doesn't really change too much. But you don't get that with these guys because they're writers and they wanted to have different sections. Um, And it's nine minutes long and a lot of the end of it is just strings. Like they just basically took it from being this song to like it just kind of fades into just being a really long just strings with, you know, hints of Rafael Sadiq's vocals over it, which was odd. I can't I cannot listen to the whole thing. I'm not going to lie. As much as I love this album, like it's really hard to get through the end of it because it's, that's all it is, just strings with sparse vocals. Um, but it's like before you get there, it's really cool. It's got like the the second, I think it's the second or the third chorus is really good. It has like a nice little build up. Um, it's just a really good song as far as why people like it. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. It's just the nostalgic version, you know, of it. And at the time, it's just a really good song. And it just it represents you know, it can become one of those songs that represents something that's good. Like, it's our anniversary. This is something you can sing to people. You know, you can sing to your girl, like, it's our anniversary. And that's what I, if I remember correctly, that's kind of what it was used for back then. <laughs> Just people singing, like, girl, it's our anniversary. <laughs> um, they did get two Grammy nominations off of this song. Uh, best R&B song and best R&B performance by duo or group with vocals. For best R&B song, they lost to "That's the Way Love Goes," mm. and for best R&B performance, they lost to Sade's "No, no Ordinary Love." Mm. All right, so I guess it, this is the second because here's it's about to come in this chorus. Like, so this soft part that like that guitar just so it's just beautiful, and then he pulls the bass out right here. And it's just yeah but then in the other chorus after this one he does bring in the they bring the bass back in and it just it gives it a bit of a different sound because it's i don't know like the 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 bass line kind of goes up it's a little syncopated and it's just different and I, I like that and i'm pretty sure that's something they kind of thought about like yeah pull the bass out okay now put it back in for the second chorus to make it sound a little different that's what musicians do, man. That arra- the song arrangements, man. Now that is something that I did not get until I got older, until I was in my twenties, and really tried to break this album down like that. To really, right here. So they bring the bass back in, and it just gives it a different sound. And so these were the things I thought about until I got a little bit older and really started breaking this album down and listening to what they did to see what they really did. And that's when it takes on a whole different, you know, a whole different life for me. Because I'm like, wow, okay. And honestly, I think one of the things that really made me re-examine this song was his live performance of it on VH1 Soundstage. Um, Because he did, so he did the lead in to the first chorus, but they did the second chorus where they kept the bass in, the drums were up a little bit, and it was, it just sounds different. It just sounds... Yeah, it's just awesome. 
Yeah. I wonder who played the electric piano on that, because... I was just looking at that. Yeah. Um, Drummer, actually. <laughs> Timothy Christian Riley. Okay. One of the Tonys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. The song was co-written by uh, Raphael Sadiq and Carl Wheeler, their touring keyboardist. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if he played a little bit on here too, because it's really it's really well done, and it's that's probably the I listening to it. That's probably the Fender Rhodes, um, which I would kill to have one of <laughs> Fender Rhodes because they just sound so good. So this is where it kind of fades into just the strings and the acoustic guitar and his voice and it just this is how it goes for the next however many minutes because what was it'll be the next four and a half minutes yeah this is all it does beautiful arrangement but like I can only take so much of it (laughs) (laughs) alright so that was the that was the big the big single from Mm -hmm. it Uh, it peaked at number 10 as I said before, a couple of Grammy nominations. Um, let me get your take on so, on a song like um, "Lay Your Head on My Pillow." That's another song I, that I distinctly remember being mm-hmm. from this album. Um, what What's your take on that song? This is a blues track. Like when you hear that guitar, like it's just got that. So it was also the slow jam. They had a lot of slow jams, but. To me, this has like that. I, this is a song I could genuinely hear coming out in like the 60s. It, yeah. Like it's just got that. Like I imagine this was a very easy song to play. Like there's not a ton of, and you don't need a lot of instruments. You got your guitar, you got your electric keyboard probably that Fender Rose that I really really want um you've got probably the closest to what sounds like a actual drum set like you could probably perform this with like a six piece band I'm trying to remember if there's any horns but yeah you could this is a very easy song to perform I don't think so yeah no horns uh this is a, a controversial in a way because in the music video, um, the band and supporting actors all appear nude. I don't remember that. <laughs> oh man, you, you go look at it. I'm good. Um, I don't want to look at it right now. <laughs> uh, but it was done that way in a way to um, respond to criticism that um, a lot of male artists sexually objectified women in their music videos. So they're going to sexually objectify themselves. Hmm. <laughs> That's what's up. All right. So oddly enough, um, it says here the uh, was produced and written by the group. Oh, never. Mind. I thought I read here that, that that the drummer produced. I was like, that would make sense. Why it has the best sounding drums on it? <laughs> if the drummer produced it, but they all produced it. Like they they produced the whole album. But yeah. So yeah, man, that thing sounds. I which I wonder if he played. It sounds like he might have played that Gibson on this track. Yeah. So it also, uh, they used some steel guitar a, too. Yeah. Probably used a lap, a lap steel. 
Yeah, but he probably played that Gibson um, LC L Texas pedal steel guitar. Mm-hmm. It's the ones that you see they'll lay on the um, okay. like on the table and they'll. Um, yeah, what is the name of that group? It's like Randolph something in the Robert family. Randolph in the Family yeah. Band. Yeah, they is use it those. Like that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so, is this your favorite track from the album? What was your favorite track from the album? Uh, my favorite, my favorite track is because, like, I uh, it was a time like when we first met or something. You played my ex girlfriend, <laughs> and I never heard the song before, and I just thought it was hilarious. This is that is also my favorite track from the album. <laughs> like, it's just it's got like this really nice bass line, doom, boom, boom, boom. Uh, this is a juke call one right here. <laughs> that juke joint, like that 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 muted guitar funk sound. Yeah, yeah, and of course he's saying my ex girlfriend is a hoe. Um, after he finds out he did all these things for her, <laughs> and she was just getting around the neighborhood like he, I paid her way through USC. But guess what? She was not down with me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really kind of messed up like so as I'm when I'm a kid like of course I know what a hoe is but like I didn't quite understand what it meant in the context of this song that she was sleeping around with everybody um, I thought he was just insulting her like you were a hoe and I was like okay that's whatever it's got a nice bass line to it and it's like the way I like the way it's got the doom 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 I just love the way it goes from the verse into the chorus because then it kind of goes to the and then as I got older I was like oh god his ex-girlfriend was like this is why she's his ex-girlfriend because <laughs> he found out she was getting around town yeah but yeah this is definitely my favorite song from the album um I just love it uh, uh. I love the um the bridge with it I just everything about the song is just awesome God, I bet they I bet they were like when they played this song live I bet it was awesome I bet it was so good I wonder if they all did harmonies on it too Whew, it's a good song maybe I, I should do a cover of this song I, pro- I could probably do it. Yeah, I could probably get it. That'd be um, cool. I was trying to pull up the any any other words here for it, but it's not it's not happening right now. At okay. least not for that. But yeah, that was a song that, that stuck out to me because <laughs> it's so funny. Um. So um. What is, I guess for you, what what kind of, um, what was the main thing that drew you to this album? We were nine years old and said, hey, mom, I want to get this CD or whatever. It, I or really the, think it was, it was a cassette, right? It was a cassette, cassette? Yeah. yeah. I wasn't cool enough yet. My sister had a CD player, but I did not. Um, so anything I wanted for myself had to be cassette. 
I would listen to some of her CDs. The Jason's Lyric soundtrack is one that stands out to me. Um, but really, it was the song If I Had No Loot. Like, it was just a really good song. And of course, you know, this is the early 90s. So um, the only way that you could get access to music was if you had to buy the single or you had to buy the album. <laughs> or if you got one of those um, Columbia House. Yeah. And you could catalogs. Get, just get everything. Um, so, yeah, this it, it was that song that made me want it. I, I mean, I didn't know much about them other than I liked It Feels Good because my sister had that tape. And then I heard if I had no loot and I just really wanted to get this album. Um, and then just it ended up being one of those things where luckily I never I liked almost every song on the album. So I never really I like some more than others, but it wasn't one of those albums where I was like I had a song that I had to keep going back to because that was hard to do with cassettes. So I got lucky to where I could just play this thing straight through and never really get sad. And then as I got older because I do remember the B-side or the other side of the album. So I think it stopped at, I want to think it stopped maybe at Slow Wine or Lay Your Head on My Pillow. Until I got older, I did not, I didn't fully um, appreciate or understand the second half of the album. So like the song Fun, I did not understand or fully record under, like appreciate it until I got older and really started listening to the way in which the key change, the chord changes on that, um, on the keyboard, like the way they interacted with the vocals. Like I did not appreciate that until I got older. And so like that, that whole second half of the album just did not resonate with me until I got older. I really love the first half, which was like, if I had no loot through either like, like lay your head on my pillow or I couldn't keep it to myself. I couldn't remember exactly which one didn't quite, I didn't have that appreciation. But now fun is one of my favorite tracks <laughs> just because of the way like that keyboard, like, you know, and I think maybe their keyboard player was on. Yeah. Wheeler again. Yeah. He's there. He is again. <laughs> um, of course, you know, I enjoy the, the stories of what these albums being made or what happens after. So, of course, it went double platinum mm-hmm. and they went on tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, they toured around the all around the country, including a little in Europe, Australia, Japan. They were on SNL, David Letterman, and the Apollo Theater Hall of Fame ceremony. They ended up going on tour. They joined Janet Jackson's Janet World Tour as a supporting act, but they left after a few performances uh, in January 1994, expressing frustration over their limited time on stage and Jackson's frequent show cancellations. Um... And they were forced to alter their set list for Jackson's more mainstream pop audience. Even though Janet, um, no, no, that was Velvet Rope. I was saying, I was thinking Janet was more of a close to being a neo, nearly a neo soul type album. Velvet Rope. Velvet Rope was that though. Janet was. Janet was kind of pop. That had what if, and that's the way love goes. On Janet, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of. She was still kind of pop. Yeah, because I think what was what was the album before that one? Um, Did it have Runaway? Because Runaway came out on Design of a Decade, which was later. Well, let's see. Um, so Janet had that really hot cover of her topless. 
Um, again, <laughs> I forgot. Again, oh wow, again. Anytime, any place you want this. Um, uh, before oh, Rhythm Jan- Nation, Rhythm was, Nation was the one before Janet, which was not meant to be pop, but it was, that's one of it those pop. pop just because it just happens to be popular right now. <laughs> Yeah, then Janet. Um, Janet had uh, "That's the Way Love Goes." If um, again, mm-hmm. anytime, any place, which is definitely not pop. <laughs> <laughs> so she was kind of headed that way, but yeah, if it during the tour for that album, you know, it's still Rhythm Nation and Control. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, it was that audience. Yeah. So Tony, Tony, Tony didn't seem to be a good fit. They didn't feel that way, but they were replaced by mint condition. Yeah. <laughs> it was I, like, which I, is, you know, like, I feel like that's a lateral move. At, basically at best. <laughs> Maybe they were willing to tone it down. <laughs> Cause yeah, they're basically at that point, they're the same band. Like that's what you're getting is your, but yeah, but that was Janet Jackson's choice. So, or at least the people managing Janet Jackson, that was their choice. But they were called, uh, they left the tour with no advance notice and were extremely unprofessional. That came from uh, a tour staffer. That's what they said about Tony, Tony, Tony. Mm. Um, so after that, they went on hiatus and it was three years before their next album, which was House of Music. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any insight into that? What the house of music or just the, the, in the middle. Yeah, yeah. I don't know much about what was going on in the middle. Um, I just know that was their last album. And I think really it was just kind of, uh, let me see here. Cause that was around the time. Yeah. That was when Raphael Wiggins or Sadiq adopted the last name Sadiq, um, rather than being, um, Raphael Wiggins sharing the name with his brother. Um, I don't know too much about this album. I don't know if they were, I just know it was their last album. And I think it was kind of a, they just didn't really want to work together. I don't think they liked the direction they were going or where they thought they might have to be. But it's, that album is considered their their best work. So, yeah. And it was uh, interesting. Um, One critic says here from the AJC, they held it as a gentle reminder of those glory days and felt the group having both vocal and musical talents is most indicative of a return to early R&B aesthetics. Furthermore, they garnered mainstream attention in a year of several high-profile controversies with R&B and hip-hop artists such as Michael Jackson and Snoop Dogg. So they had this success Mm -hmm. without getting into trouble. (laughs) (laughs) And they also, um, uh, another writer, wrote that Tony 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 is known primarily for the quality of its music, not its extracurricular reputation, and they compared him to Jodeci at the time. What yeah. Jodeci was at the time. Yeah, I think it said they used the Mac Gangsta Mac. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, the, you could not choose two groups that are more at the opposite ends of spectrums for their particular genres. Um Arc you know, Jodeci being that group that, you know, the brainchild of Diddy or well, I guess he was puffy at the time, but you know, he, he tries to make them look as hard as they can while they're singing, you know, gangsta love songs. And then you got, 
Tony, 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 who's just like, give me my guitar. <laughs> um, that's really funny to compare those two. Yeah. Um, when you first mentioned this album as a as a topic, um, I think of what was actually on the album. I thought of this was the bridge between New Jack Swing and Neo Soul. I could see that. I definitely. That's actually very apt. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I, I have to agree. <laughs> uh, before you know, uh, and it's kind of where. I don't think anything really killed New Jack Swing. Well, I think what killed New Jack Swing was like gangster rap. Well, I think, I think just taste changed. I still think gangster rap is a part of it. <laughs> uh, because New Jack Swing, it was, it was R&B, it was dance music, but there was some hip-hop involved. Mm-hmm. Definitely hip-hop involved. But because of gangster rap, uh, you can't like rap happy. It's not allowed. <laughs> no, not in gangster uh, rap, at least. No. So not if you're ice cube, dub C and Mac 10. <laughs> and, the, and this was when what the, the chronic came out. Yeah. In doggy style. Mm-hmm. So not allowed. Mm-mm. You know, we can't have, the, and they, and it was the end of rappers. Like rappers don't dance. I don't think rappers dance now. They may have a dance, but it wasn't like Mm-mm. choreographed dancing. No. Well, like I mean, in, like <laughs> like in the late '80s, early '90s. I'm talking about Kid and Play, Big Daddy Kane, <laughs> uh, Bobby Brown. Yeah, it, you know, you don't have that any. You don't have that anymore. Well, I mean, hell, there was a song on that album. NWA, Ice Cube, like West Coast yeah. gangster rap, not just the West Coast, but any gangster rap kind of killed all that. They had a track on Bow Down called Gangsters Don't Dance, We Boogie. Yeah. But, so, yeah, they're basically saying, we don't dance. We nope. boogie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I felt that this album was the bridge between those two genres. Like, I feel like an album like Sons of Soul, then, you know, we get uh, Baduism. Mm-hmm. We get Jill Scott. Which I, I get, think um, he was um, involved in those albums. We get Maxwell as well. Yeah. I think Raphael Sadiq played on uh, Urban Hang Suite. Mm-hmm. Was he involved? I don't see him, but the roots were, because that's the roots are awesome. Well, <laughs> I think that was like, where, like, the roots, Erica Badu and D'Angelo all recorded their albums at the same time in the same studio. That's really cool. <laughs> the Soul Quarians. That might be a future episode to kind of discuss that. Oh, wow. But I think like this, uh, an album like Sons of Soul was kind of the precursor to what Neo Soul is or became. Well, I, so I always felt that even though it has, so, you know, it has the elements of New Jack Swing. It does not have the elements in its purest form as if like, maybe if you heard like Teddy Riley So I think because Teddy Riley was a keyboard, like a true keyboard player. So like, yeah, could Raphael, Dwayne, you know, Timothy, Christian Riley, could they play keys? Yeah, but they weren't, they weren't a keyboard player in the sense of Teddy Riley who loved syncopation on the keyboard. He made dance music. Yeah. Uh, But it can be, but with dance music, with the like fun influence. Yeah. With Tony, 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 it was more 
yeah, there was funk in the a clear funk influence, but they were also, um, they weren't so they weren't focused on that. That wasn't mm-hmm. a, a thing to like. Well, it has to be a, a dance song. This is yeah. for the clubs. This is for you well, know the jeeps or whatever the jeeps. <laughs> In the 90s, songs were made for, for the, the Jeeps. Jeeps. Something for the Jeeps. <laughs> I felt like it was if you took New Jack Swing and introduced it to like Memphis style soul. And that's where a lot of the. So, like, we got a lot of New Jack Swing drum beats, and then we got a lot of Memphis style guitar parts. And we're going to mix those together rather than having, like, you know, I think of the, the keyboard part in I Want Her. Like it's got a, you know, it's very syncopated. No, we don't need that. Our keyboard parts are going to be very straight ahead. And we're going to have like really funky, soulful guitar. And that's what we're going to mix it with. And it was just, and it kind of gave it a a style of its own where it's like, all right, well, there's some new Jack Swing elements here, but we've got this. And that's kind of maybe where the bridge happens. We've got this neo soul guitar. And it's just, this is how it's going to sound. And that probably that comes from there's no probably about it. It comes from their influences. And then, you know, this album served as an influence to other people. And then, like you said, we get Baduism. We get um, what was Jill Scott's first album, her debut? Because uh, I put it in there, and, too. Words and Sounds. Volume yeah. One. You get Voodoo. Yeah. You get Voodoo D'Angelo. by D'Angelo. You get to an extent, even though I know he was a part of it, you get Lucy Pearl. <laughs> yeah. Even though I know he was a part of it, but you, you get all of these things and this, and because of that, that's why Raphael Sadiq is so respected in those circles because of that influence. Um, and that's why I list this. This is probably a top five album for me all time. Um, it's just one of those, like it has 20 years and it's just still not old to me. I can listen to this, like, I can just listen to it, just put it on and just let it go. Yeah. All right. Well, um, anything else you want to add about it? Um, no. Well, I mean, just tracks. I mean, tell me mama. I like that track leaving, which is kind of like a, uh, and I keep saying this, but that's what they are like an old soul song. So it's got like a nice, um, almost Thelonious monk style guitar riff at the beginning. Um, it's just a good song. If you've never heard this album, you're like you're really missing out. Um, you gotta go, especially if you're a guitar player. Like this is probably one of for R and B albums, one of the better guitar records for R and B albums. Like it doesn't get much better than this. Um, because they really just like because one you have an actual guitar player as a member, someone whose role it is to play guitar he thought about what he was doing. <laughs> like he really thought about it, you know? So it wasn't like the guitar was an afterthought. Like if he wrote a song nine times out of 10, he was writing it on guitar. So like when the guitar is your main instrument, what do you get? You get guitar as a featured instrument on the song and not just a background. Like it is his rhythm instrument. So I, I, I honestly think that's why it's one of the better guitar records for R and B. Cause it's actually a main instrument and not just like, off to the side you know all of um you know the layer head on my pillow is based off of a guitar riff if i had no loot another based off of a guitar riff so you, you kind of get that and i like that all right um well that'll do it for our conversation about sons of soul by tony 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 from 1993 check it out, check it out. 
<laughs> Highly recommended. <clears throat> All right, so we'll get to my earworm of the week. Uh, new week, new playlist <laughs> that I made. Um, and this was, I made a, a playlist of of old school uh, old school hip hop, eighties um, and nineties. Nice. I probably stopped around ninety six. <laughs> Don't want no new stuff. No, no, no new stuff. I was funny. I was. Um, this isn't a song, but I was. Uh, have you heard the song "I Used to Love Her" by Common? Yes. So that was playing while I was doing some Ubering last weekend, and I had a passenger, and he's like, "It was such an awkward question. I didn't know how to respond." He's like, "What genre is this?" What? So he's clearly under the age of twenty. I um, somebody, and maybe you can ask this question. So I'm wearing a shirt that says, Oh my God, Becky. <laughs> and so I'm walking through and shout out to Brian. I don't know if he listens, but, um, he got this, we, we had all had like shirts with writing on them for a bachelor party. And I got this one and I still wear it. Um, and he's like, Beyonce is everywhere. Look at his shirt. Oh my God, Becky, that's Beyonce. And I'm like, how old are you, man? Like, no. I didn't say that because I don't. I just did not feel like having the conversation. And if you're going to equate this to Beyonce, you're probably part of the Beehive, and I don't want that noise. But like, I had to wonder, like, how are you twelve to think that this is a Beyonce? Like, it's not a Beyonce thing. Go Google this and see what comes up first. Just, just try it. Just try it. <laughs> yeah. So I feel your pain there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like it's it's just '90s hip hop, man. He's like, oh, this, this, this shit hard, man. I like it. This shit hard. <laughs> oh god. Um, but uh, if you're this new artist named Common, like, <laughs> he's dope, man. You mean the actor? He raps too. Oh, <laughs> oh god. Um, but uh, this song is by uh, a group really known for one song or whatever. Uh, or an artist associated with them, uh, Digital Underground. Okay. And uh, it's not the Humpty Dance. I can't stand to listen to that one, really. But this song is uh, it's called Do What You Like from the same album that had Humpty Dance on it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it comes up a lot. Like, I listened to it when I, when I first had, when I, when I, when I had my first iPhone, and I found about tune in radio and then uh, I think it was like kind of like with you with you listening to radio stations in like the UK and mm-hmm. Australia and stuff there was I found some station that was just playing old school hip hop nice um, and uh, I, I remember this song and it brought back a lot of memories so I put it on this playlist that I made so this is Do What You Like by Digital Underground and we'll be right back You know that we're down with what you like. With what you like. And though we're usually on the serious tip, check it out. Tonight we're going to flip and trip and let it all hang out tonight. We're going to say what we like. Because yo, yo, we want to know how many people in the flow. Well, I can just let yourselves go and do what you like. Yeah. What's tonight's your night? Just eat food, try not to be crude or rude. 
killed the attitude. Chill the serious mood and do what you like. And do what you like. Everybody do what you like. gonna strip and jump in the pool and do what we like and do, do what, what we, we like. like home girls for once forget you got class see a guy you like just grab them in the biscuits and do what you like no red white tan black yellow or brown it really doesn't matter we could all get down and do what we like and do what we like Yankee. Oh, <laughs> that is Do What You Like by Digital Underground. I, I, I love Shock G, and I just feel like he is he's underrated. Yeah. And I, and I don't know why. And I guess maybe it's just because Digital Underground are considered one-hit wonders. Um, and I don't think a lot of people associate them with Tupac. No. Um, but, like, Shock G is really funny. Like, he's... He's a good rapper and his stuff is funny. Like it's it's very clever. <laughs> That's the thing though with with hip hop, you're not allowed to have a sense of humor. You're not. And really the only one who's gotten away with having a sense of humor is like Eminem. Yeah. And to an extent I guess now kind of um Lil Dicky. Yeah. But like yeah, for the most part like I'm shocked G, the one who put the satin on your panties. Like that's <laughs> like, grabbing by the bisque. Like he's got funny lines. Hey fat girl, are you ticklish? Like he's he's clever. <laughs> And it's just like, he's, he's, I don't know. I miss Shock G. I mean, like, the, like, what I what I like about Digital Underground is that, okay, we're going to make hip hop, we want to have fun with it, mm-hmm. and we're going to create this character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with a big nose, with yeah. the, with a Groucho Marx like, nose. Yeah, the, <laughs> like, let's, if Groucho Marx was a rapper, he'd probably be, be Shock yeah. G. <laughs> he's just, he was just so clever, and just... He never got his time. I wonder how he'd do if he were out now. I don't know. I I I I wouldn't want to hear him as a mumble rapper. I don't think he'd be a mumble rapper. No. But I um I'd be curious to hear what he does now. I think the closest thing we have to that now is is probably Lil Dicky because I did not realize how clever and kind of out there Lil Dicky can be <laughs> until Abe had me listening to the um it was the video he made like where it's just like the conversation with the girl. Oh, let me freak. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what it's called. Like the conversation with the girl, like, and the video is weird, and it's just like it's just like a whole conversation between him and her. Yeah, there's like, like no a, hook. Like a, an email with her boss or something. Oh no, not okay. This was um. Let me see. Uh, video. 
not yeah. ex-boyfriend. I don't know which one it was. I'll find out. But like it was, like it's just this long video, and he's just pillow talk. Yeah, that's what it's called, pillow okay. talking. I, don't, yeah. I haven't seen that one. It's so strange. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's no hook, one beat, and they're just it's going back and forth. But he's playing both parts. <laughs> And if you see the video, it, it makes be- like if you're listening to it, it's uh, but if you're watching the video, it just gets really weird. And it's just yeah, it's funny. Um, yeah, yeah. I, it's but I guess I guess you can only if you're a rapper, you have to be white to be allowed to have a sense of humor. Yeah, because if you're black, they're gonna make fun of you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that'll do it for um, this particular episode. So, Ben, can you tell the people where we can be found? Yes, I can. And one second, I just want to see something. All right. I mean, I know it just started, but 13 to 9 Celtics. <laughs> um, all right. So you can find us on, well, first off, if you're watching this video, you found our Facebook page. Congratulations. Um, check your mailbox. In a couple of months, there won't be anything there. Uh, <laughs> But um, Facebook.com, if you haven't found us, Facebook.com slash By The Time You Hear This. You can check us out on the web as well at um, ByTheTimeYouHearThis.com. And you can also check out our Instagram page at By The Time You Hear This. The Facebook page and the website are spelled with the word you, Y-O-U, you know, by the time you hear this. Um, If you want to find us on Instagram or email us at gmail.com, that is spelled with the letter U, and that is because... We're not underage. That's the new one, I guess. That's the new one. <laughs> we are upstanding. And we should have stopped this 30 years ago. <laughs> but, we are, and we know. are also not under investigation. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, we're also, we're understanding, I guess. I almost said that one today. <laughs> we're understanding. A shoulder to cry on by the time you hear this. Should we Should we go back to being urban? Can we? Is that safe? I, is it safe to be urban yet? I don't know, man. Let let us know. Is it yeah. safe to be urban again? The last thing I want is like, you know, someone just sees in the background like the door gets kicked in and <laughs> we're dragged out of here for being urban. I don't want, <laughs> I don't want that to happen. Um Okay, so yeah, so if you want to so those are some of the ways you can find us on social media. If you'd like to listen to us um on the go or whether you're at work or when you're playing 2K like I do. Or Madden, if you're still into that type of thing, or live, if you're are that. You gonna, brave. Are you going to get Madden? 19? I don't know. I mean, it's like got To on the cover. Oh, they've released the cover already. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I didn't know that because um, I the last Madden I got was 17. Like that was a long time ago. Last one, last one I got was 16. Yeah, <laughs> I got. But usually I wait until after the season's over, or I wait until Black Friday because it always goes on sale. I can't pay full price for Madden. <laughs> I just can't. Until they make like some like really significant changes, I can't pay full price for it. So maybe if they make some significant changes other than like the grass looks better. Some people think it's going to be great because Tio was on the cover of NFL 2K5, which is still considered the greatest football yeah. simulation game ever made. Let that sink in. A 13-year-old game is considered more innovative than anything that Madden EA Sports Even has put out today. Yeah, like I, you know, you see these gaming channels on YouTube. Um, some people are doing franchise mode. They got updated rosters yeah. with 2K5. I will say, and this is not me speaking in hyperbole. I would say up until about five years ago, 2K5 looked comparable to anything EA Sports was putting out. 
Like it, it still looked. I was like, I would still play two K five over this. <laughs> <laughs> like it was still comparable. Like they've only now started making good enough updates to where I would actually buy it. Like, but but before then, it was just like, yeah, nah, keep on playing two K five. It was that bad. Um, oh god, that reminds me. Somebody tried to. Somebody. Um, it was on. I think it was on Instagram. They took a picture of college hoops. 2K something, the one with Josh Childress. That was that was 2K5. They were like, what do you 2K5. think GameStop will give me for this? <laughs> they said GameStop might kill you. <laughs> Negative $20. <laughs> you owe them $20. Yes, for taking this <laughs> off your hands. But if you want to listen to us on the go, you can hear us um, on at Podomatic, first and foremost. You can hear us on iTunes. So if you go on iTunes and search for us, um, you can find us. On Google Music, if you have an Android device, that is the Orange Triangle. Uh, we can also be found on TuneIn Radio, CastBox, Overcast, Auto Radio, um, apparently ListenNotes.com. Just search for us, and you can find the search for whatever we're talking about. Apparently, we make good show notes, so yay. And um, what else? Satchel Podcast Player, CastBox, uh, really any of those podcast aggregate websites or apps you can find us on, so... Check us out. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Yeah. All right. Um, so what should we end the show with? Tell Me Mama. Tell Me Mama. Oh, yeah. That was my other favorite song. Um, Once again, one of those songs where I didn't know a lot of the lyrics as they didn't put them in the in the cassette. <laughs> so I had to wait till I got older. And I still don't know if Mama was supposed to be like he's actually talking about his mom or if Mama is just what they're calling you're like yo what's up mama so I, I to this day I still don't know that cause it's like tell me mama where did we go wrong should have bought you roses each and every day like it just like some of it sounds like alright it could be your mom you're trying to treat her better but then some of it sounds like you would have had a romantic relationship with your mom and I don't know anyone who wants to do that well you know what take that back I know of people that would want to do that but I don't associate with them yeah okay that, that makes more sense hashtag Mississippi <laughs> no love no love alright so um, okay so Tell Me Mama by Tony 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 from Sons of Soul thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you very very soon peace peace peace